You're listening to Glowing Older, the podcast that goes deep with the experts shaping senior living. A big thank you to our Season 4 sponsor, TSO Life, Senior Living's first business intelligence platform that simplifies data collection, seamlessly provides resident and lead insights, while creating more meaningful engagement and connections. Hello and welcome to the Glowing Older podcast, where we interview experts on innovation and senior living. I'm your host, Nancy Griffin, and I could not be more pleased to be here today with Angela Burton, the founder of Feet to the Fire Writers Workshops. Welcome to the program, Angela. Thank you. It's good to be here. Oh, well, thank you. I know we're all suffering with our pandemic and winter blues, but I appreciate you being here with us today. And I would love it if you could get started and tell us about your background and how you made your way into senior living. Yeah, it, it's an interesting story, and I'm going to have to write my own story down one day. But um, I have an MFA in creative writing, and I pursued that to be a writer. And I do write frequently, but I also began teaching and I started teaching um, in higher ed to uh, freshman comp and creative writing classes for college students. So initially, you know, my background is teaching and writing. Um, And then in 2014, the same year I turned 50, I decided that I wanted to do something more meaningful with my life. So I began a passion project in my living room whereby I invited complete strangers in to share in the process of expressive writing. Um, Many people wrote about their lives. And then I eventually, uh, the next year, decided to kind of make a a turn and try it out in in a retirement community as a pilot. And it it was so successful in many ways. And it was also so opening to me to work with older adults that I... I don't know. I felt like I was finding my place um, in doing that. And I just felt this pull. So I followed it and I continued on with it. And eventually it's turned into what is now a a licensed program that can be run in senior living communities and almost organizations for older adults. And it's it's very beneficial. So tell us a little bit about how it works and how it's progressed during the pandemic. Well, so the way that it was working before the pandemic was um, the program is, you know, I had to at some point figure out what was in my head and what I was doing literally with hundreds of people in in and around the Louisville area and guiding them through writing workshops and older, older folks. So 75 to 104, roughly, that was my oldest person I worked with. Um, So initially you know, it was this, this thing in my head. And then I had to create a program that was actually curriculum based, um, turn it into, um, a program that could be transferred to senior living. So it's a licensed program that senior living can purchase and purchase training for and materials for and deliver to their residents. So that was pre COVID, um, that still exists. It's just that COVID threw a curveball at many of us. I can say at all of us, probably. Um, So with Feet to the Fire, what we had to do was figure out how to still reach people who were isolated now in their rooms and homes 
and also create some sort of virtual connection so that we weren't leaving them in the cold and, and not feeling connected. So we created individual writer's kits that we are now selling um, both to consumers and to senior living organizations and nonprofits and virtual groups that either they can be trained to run the groups within their communities or we can run the groups for them, which actually is proving to be a kind of a new twist because I think a lot of senior living organizations um, and home healthcare too, the you know staff is exhausted and they are taxed and they are tasked with a lot of other a, a lot of other things. So we can also now we're learning take that burden off by running the virtual groups for the the residents too. Yes, both um, in senior living, and as I understand, it can be great for providers and home care programs as well. Yes, absolutely. That's starting to move as well, because I think here's the thing, having a really good experience between a caregiver and their client, um, something that's very meaningful and close and intimate, I think, I have a theory, it might improve care, because how could you how could you not care for somebody better if you know them really deeply and well? So those stories that people work on together and write serve to bond them and bind them. And I think that that's really important in this world right now. So it couldn't be more true with the loneliness and isolation um, from being at home and also being stuck in your room if you're in a facility or a community. So tell us why is writing so profoundly impactful for all of us and especially older adults? It is. It is absolutely important to us. Um, I would say that knowing writing as intimately as I do, having studied it, having practicing it, and working with other people time and again, you know, writing helps us understand our thoughts it helps us understand ourselves. And when we capture stories that make up our own lives, especially when we're older, we, we are able to kind of look back over the trajectory that has been our world and understand things in ways that maybe we couldn't understand if we didn't write them, write it down. Um, it's a really wonderful way to kind of spend your time if you're by yourself. Um, you're having conversations with yourself on paper or on a keyboard ideally on paper, but you're kind of entertaining yourself with your own stories. And I hear that over and over again when I talk to people who are actively writing, that they find it as sort of like a salve or a bomb for this lonesomeness that they feel. Um, some people choose, you know, other things, music, art. Uh, my mom is 90. She's a quilter. But anything that you can engage in fully and be present in, it's very mindful I think that that is why writing is so important and it's a way to kind of tap into your own mind. Um, and then when you share virtually in that, and that's what we have right now, that gives you this ability to connect with other people who are also, you know, trying to do that as well and write stories. And then you connect by our, by your stories. And that's, that's as old as time, right? <laughs> our stories. It's what binds us. It's so true. And it seems like um, not even on purpose, but you stepped into so many of the trends that we're seeing in senior living now with in the words engagement, enrichment, legacy, creating technology. Um, so I would love to ask you if you could talk a little bit. Um, I know you are um, engaged with 
facilities, communities all over the country with your programs and your kits now. So what are some of the broad trends you're seeing in the senior living industry? Well, even pre-pandemic, I think the idea that technology was going to solve a lot of problems, right, for senior living and and in in this huge, you know, flood of people aging. Um, so connecting people through telehealth, obviously, is a big trend you're seeing and, and robotics and things like that. And I know that that is that is really helpful. And it's it's, you know, it maybe makes uh, our, our jobs easier in many ways. But I, I have this belief in my heart deeply that though technology might improve our many ways, we can't forget the human element um, because we're human beings. And I see this deep need in our broad trend for meaningful and engaging content. And I don't just mean like programming that is passive, you know, watching screens kind of engagement. That's not really engagement to me. That's that's passive. I mean, connectedness and feeling like you can, even if it's virtual, we have to go that route. Even if you can engage in conversation with somebody by phone, by iPad, you know, whatever it may be that, you know, we need each other. And that is what this pandemic has really shined a light on, how much we deeply need each other. Um, human connection is, is everything to us. Exactly. And part of the beauty of what you do, and I've seen it in some of your videos and, and your posts on social media, is the sharing part of the story, right? I mean, you write it, but then you get to share it. So sharing is a huge part of what the magic of Feet to the Fire is. Half of the battle is writing the story. And then the other enjoyable part is being able to share it with other people. So when people share their stories, they naturally tend to connect to each other because they reminisce together. They they are attempting a, a, a prompt or um, an endeavor, you know, together. And they're doing it differently, but yet they're coming together in communion. So for that reason, the sharing piece is huge because that does provide for excellent social connection among each other. Um, when I was a little girl, you know, my mom used to talk on the phone. She had seven kids to raise, but she would languish in talking on the phone to her friends. And granted, it was the telephone, but it was a way to connect and to feel like she could, you know, be in conversation with other people. And I think we need that desperately. We lived in a busy world before, but it seems even more crushed now because of the pandemic, because we're trying to do so many things to fix things. Um, and we we miss the opportunity for just basic human interaction oftentimes. That's so true. You know, I am, I've always been a sharer on social media more, uh, more than talking about myself. I like to share information and I liken it to my grandmother always used to send me newspaper clippings in the mail. You know, and it was like, did you check this out? Did you check that out? My mother now does it to me via email. Mm -hmm. And then I do it on social media. And she's still like, what are those blue underlined things? You know, and it's like, mom, those are hyperlinks or sharing those. But yeah, you're right. It's all about sharing and connecting. And I think that's why you, I mean, you are, you are um, Next Avenue's um, Aging Influencer of the Year. 
um, in 2020, and you've resonated so much with the senior living community. Uh, and these kits now are tangible. Uh, I love the, the actual physical prompts and the way you get to touch and hold and feel and experience the moleskin journal and, and just it makes it so tactile. And um, it's it's really great what you've done. And I only see more to, to come. But I, I know you and a lot of other uh, providers of aging services and products have found it a little bit of a challenge just getting into the industry. So uh, for a moment, for our listeners that come from the, quote, vendor side of the industry, what advice would you give? I can give the advice in that what what worked for me and what I learned. So um, when I started doing the pilot workshops, I didn't know it at the time, but, you know, people pay good money for focus groups, right? <laughs> and I had I had my consumers, my focus groups at my fingertips. I was literally working with the people that I was building this program for um, every single day, sometimes three and four workshops a day, I would run with older adults. And so I got to know that generation very closely. Um, Some of them are still really good friends of mine and we still talk and we still connect. And I think to know who you are designing something for is huge because if you don't have an inkling of, you know, what this person cares about or what these these this group of people that you're designing for understands and knows and loves how can you develop a product or a service or a program that that serves them well right and i think that customer discovery is huge and then how do you get that customer discovery and luckily for me i got to spend so much time with people and then i was able to be mindful of how i developed this program so that people could use it really well and i met them where i think they were i think that's why the kids being so like you said they're physical they're very tangible and when somebody is handed a kit it's like a gift they they can open up it's a surprise and it's not technology and it's not something to be like fiddled with and under like i don't understand how to use this it's very easy to use So I think about how that comes across. And I think, you know, as vendors, we need to think about what we're designing for the people that we're designing it for, be it children or be it older people or people that are 50 or, you know, whatever, know your audience really well. That's so true. Um, Jessica Daly, who I I just released her podcast, uh, she's the um, national director of resident programs for Senior Living Corporation. And she said, if you're integrating play and fun and laughter, be sure that you don't do it in a childlike way that shames or offends. So um, this makes a lot of sense. Um, and plus, uh, your kits don't need to be charged, which I understand is hard for the technology piece of it. Um, Do you have anything um, to comment on when it comes to languaging? That was a huge uh, learning experience for me coming into the industry. In fact, when I interviewed Bob Kramer for the first time, he said he gets a lot of pitches from investors and and companies that use the word, the phrase silver tsunami. And he said, have you ever heard of a tsunami being positive? That's right. (laughs) You know, the the terms we were using just two years ago are are just forget it. You know, uh, the word senior, the word uh, silver soon or the phrase silver tsunami. You know, I even I I always think about how do I ask people too. you know, how do you want to be referred to? And, And people say, I'd like to be called a person. You know, I'm a person. Um, younger, older, 
50, 80, you know, older people, younger people, that is where I'm landing right now. But at the same time, I think that language is huge. And, and, you know, you mentioned that designing something, excuse me, that is, that is fun and not uh, childlike. That was always so important to me. I, I didn't want a workbook that looked like a coloring book. I didn't want, not that those are not fun for some people, but I didn't want to have a product or, you know, a kit that looked like it was in any way childlike. Um, writing can be very playful and I wanted it to be playful, but I also wanted it to be meaningful and have a sense of the story behind Feet to the Fire. And, and we have that in the kit. Um, so I think language is huge. I think understanding, the again, the people that you're designing for and creating for so that you don't offend them in any way, you know? I mean, would you want to pick up something that felt like it was beneath your intellect? You know, I wouldn't. Yeah, and 100%. And also, I find that the prompts and just the way you put it out is it's encouraging and not shaming. Because I think, for me personally, anyway, I can, I can tell you that my story, like I, I have some like, oh, well, is your story worth telling? And I'm sure you must get that a lot with people. It's like, is is my story worth writing down or worth sharing? Especially probably, I'm just going to say, with women. Yeah. Oh, well, with men and women. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that comes from a sense of just human behavior. You know, we as humans, in my experience, tend to, with writing, tend to not believe that our stories are valid and or we just hold them inside. And I think that, one thing that this that this process and this program does is help people validate their own voice. And, and when they have other people that are also, you know, listening and validating their experiences, they feel okay. And I think that that's something that we're all starving for right now is that, am I okay? Are you okay? You know, um, and when we can do that through stories, which again, this goes back to, you know, centuries ago, stories have always connected us. I think that, you know, if this matters to people, if, if other people's stories matter to, you know, us, why wouldn't our own stories matter to us? And so we try to help people understand that the validity of your own story, there are no two stories alike, by the way. So, you know, and, and also one thing is people never run out of stories. So, this could be a, a process that they engage in and they keep themselves occupied for years. And I have people that have been doing this for years since we began, they're still writing stories and they marvel at the fact that they've never run out of things to say. So it's a confidence thing at first, but once you get over that hurdle of I can do this and then you start doing it. I've had so many people tell me I can't imagine not doing it now that I'm in the habit of writing. Um, so Yes. <laughs> so I'm ordering my kit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think everybody should be writing. You know, it's it's not, it's good for your brain. I mean, I think it's a lot, not, not unlike yoga and mindfulness, you know, writing is a very thoughtful, cognitive process. Um, we even see people that have early to mid-stage Alzheimer's and dementia engaging when they still have verbal skills available to them engaging in the writing process is tremendous. Remember they used to say uh, to us, work crossword puzzles, right? It'll like 
help you keep your, you know, your, your brain and your, your supple and writing is like crossword puzzles on steroids. You know, I mean, it is stringing words together and sentences together and making sense of ideas and thoughts. And quite honestly, I don't think there could be anything more cognitive as far as like creating goes except for composing music or creating art or, you know, there's all kinds of other things too, but writing has its own natural appeal. And it's not, it's naturally personalized. Yes. Because like you said, no two stories are alike, which is so great. So I imagine down the line that you're going to get some quantitative data back about how it does improve care and um, connection and community, which a lot of these, I think a lot of the luxury senior living facilities are are struggling with this brass, glass, and marble, as we say in the spa industry, beauty without any of the real connection community. And so uh, as a result, you see um, attrition, you see people leaving and and short stay when, when that's, of course, really a negative for the whole industry. So how does one on board, if they want to become a facility that integrates feet to the fire writers workshops um, for engagement purpose, meaning um, how, how do they go about working with you? Well, they can contact us at our website. So it's, and I guess you're going to have this in your show notes, probably feedtothefirewriters.com. They can reach out and we can engage and, you know, get a meeting together. But basically what what it is, it amounts to um, a license to use the program. Uh, We provide the materials, which they purchase the kits through us. Um, They purchase journals through us and so forth. And then we also provide virtual training for their life enrichment staff. If they want their own staff to run the program in the community, um, they can run multiple classes of this program, you know, year after year. Uh, We've also seen something really interesting and I'm excited about it in that some senior living communities are tapping their residents to be trained as virtual or yeah, well, virtual feet to the fire facilitators because they're having to be virtual within everything's the virtual. <laughs> everything's virtual. So for example, I just trained an older uh, woman the other day who was a former English teacher. And so she's going to deliver the program in that community to the residents, to her fellow residents through Zoom. So, you know, it's interesting how things are being looked at. The other option is, you know, senior living communities can let us take the wheel and lead these residents through writing workshops so that that takes, again, some work off of the plate of their, their overburdened, you know, staff. So um, it's pretty simple, really. It's, we have the materials, we have the training, and it's a license agreement to use the program correctly because we believe that, you know, our, our program works if you do it right. Uh, It's easy to screw up a, a, strategic journaling process if you're not careful and people can give up on it easily. So we know that there's a a right way to do it. So we guide people through that process. And they are able to purchase the kits um, in, on, in bulk, correct? Correct. So if they wanted to run the program um, with any number of people, they would need to reach out to us directly rather than just order them off the site because they'd need a license to use the program as a, as the program. Um, so yes, um, absolutely. And that's what we do. Uh, just working with, for example, uh, Parkinson's organization recently, they purchased a bulk of kits. We're doing the virtual leading of the groups for them, 
you know, the license agreement, all of that stuff gets in place and we can launch it rather quickly. So that's, that's important. And again, this provides direct engagement with people so that they're not idly, you know, passively engaging and watching a, a video or anything like that. It is real time. And that's important. Well, I'm sure it's important for you to keep maintain the integrity of the program, especially if you're going to be um, doing some data analysis on whether it works or not. If people don't implement it correctly, then right. that would be bad. Exactly. And so even if, if the, the community decides to run the program, part of the agreement that we have is that we will, you know, continue with the support and we will make sure that, that you know, the standards are upheld and all that because we want it to be successful, quite frankly. And it, do, it is successful if it's done well and if it's done with support. So we, we don't just leave people with, you know, the know-how and, and the kits and say, have a good time. We literally like to stay engaged with our partners and truly, you know, stay engaged with the progress and the success. We started a podcast in the midst of the pandemic and, um, you know, as a way to help like uplift residents' voices. And I thought that that was really important because, you know, again, these are people that are potentially invisible right now. So even through that, that's another extension of our marketing, but it's also another way that we can you know, give voice to the people that are writing these stories. And give voice to the people who have the least voice (laughs) and who need it most. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, we, we love the partnerships that we've created with, with senior living communities and organizations. Um, So what gets you most excited these days? As an entrepreneur, um, the thing that gets me most excited is understanding that we have a problem or problems to solve. And so I love to be a person who tries to help solve problems. Um, You know, people are suffering greatly uh, due to the pandemic, even more than they were before. Um, I think it's it's shown a light on mental health and our, our need for uh, you know, solutions to help us feel like we're not alone. Um, and I'm talking about the broader sense of the population, not just older adults, but I, I see, that, you know, that if, if excited is a word, uh, challenged is a word that comes to my mind, but I feel challenged to, you know, take this program and be able to offer it even beyond senior living. I, I can see applications for this program, you know, in mental health, ways for, you know, people who are uh, grieving uh, loss and who who are potentially battling disease and cancer and, you know, cancer survivors, um, rehab and addiction. I mean, writing is such, it's such a powerful tool that we have to help us navigate. And um, so that has me really excited because I think if I've seen anything, I've seen time and again how people take to writing and how much difference it makes in their lives. And that is hopeful. That's really hopeful. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I I appreciate you bringing some sunshine into everyone's day today. And even though we might not have sunshine outside. Yeah, it is what it is is right now. And I, I hate that expression, but here I am saying it. But, you know, it's it's the end of January and it's it's gloomy here in Kentucky, and I don't know where if it's gloomy there, but yeah, sunshine and hope and joy. I think joy is a powerful word, and I think people find joy in their stories, and we're happy to help them find that joy. 
Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Glowing Older Podcast. 